Good morning. It's always a blessing to be here. Uh, suffering coming down to Okinawa every year in February. As uh, Rick said, we, um, we, uh, we bring our sixth graders here every year. This is actually our eighth year that we've been doing this. It's always a blessing to come down. You guys are so warm and, uh, and uh, hospitable. We're just very grateful to be able to come down here and, and do this. Um, I know, I know it's cold here for some of you guys uh, for Okinawa, but uh, we just had snow up on Monday. We got four inches of snow, which is actually kind of not usual for Tokyo. So the, the highways were shut down for three day, two, two or three days because of too much snow, but uh, it's nice and warm here. It's nice to come and warm Okinawa. Again, it's a blessing to be here and, and uh, share the word with you today. I'm looking forward to... Uh, to it and uh, looking forward to fellowshipping afterwards as well. And uh, if you have your Bibles today, we'll be in we'll be in a couple of places. So just be ready to move around in them, if you will. Um, but before we get into it, the, um, this last in 2000, the end of 2023 and then the beginning of 2024, I was praying and I don't I normally don't do this, but I was praying and I was asking God for something to grab onto, something to hold on to for 2024. Just seems like it's going to be a pretty eventful year, I think. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that the Lord's going to call us home, to be honest. And, but, uh, but I uh, was asking God, please just give me something, something to grab onto, something to, to go into the year with. And um, he impressed on me, I believe, uh, Col- Colossians chapter three. So we'll start there. This isn't going to be where our text is, but if you will just turn with me to Colossians three and I'll read the beginning of it. Colossians 3, uh, verse 1, it says, uh, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I feel as though the Lord impressed on me to be heavenly-minded this year. And, um, of course, this is kind of, elementary you know he wants us to be heavenly minded all the time but again I can't speak for anybody but myself but uh, to speak for myself I I, I feel as though there's definitely times in my life I would say even daily throughout the day sometimes in which can lose focus of where our real home is if you will as believers our home is in heaven our home isn't here we're just sojourning we're just we're just visiting we're just here to be used by the lord until he's done using us here and then we're and then we're to go home so our investments and our and our life as it says there our life is christ and so our future is in him our now is in him and our future is in him and i think he wants us to be focused on 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 the eternity focused on the heavenly and so i've tried to make it I mean, it's, it's a short start so far. We're only in February, but I've tried to make it purposeful to be in every situation that I'm in to stop for, to stop before I react emotionally. So, so oftentimes we, we react in emotions and God's made us emotional people and he speaks to us through, through our emotions, but he doesn't want us to make rash emotional decisions, right? He wants us to trust in him. And, and, and I think the, the key to that is being focused on him and, and what he has for us and our home, which is in heaven. Now, I think that the reason I, I bring that up with you guys is, is I think that uh, that's going to go in line with our text uh, this morning. We'll be talking about heavenly fighting, if you will, f- uh, spiritual fighting. And so um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter six, and we'll be looking at a very, very familiar passage to many of you probably. 
Um, but I think it's good to, to just be reminded of, of, uh, of the spiritual things. So Ephesians 6, and I'll read uh, just a bit. I'll read from verse 10 to verse uh, 18. Hold on one sec, sorry. Let me get there. Ephesians 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So as believers, we're in a fight and, uh, and the fight's actually a constant one. We're constantly in a battle. And uh, if we're not, if our focus isn't on the Lord, if we're not looking in at things with a heavenly perspective, a a biblical perspective, there's a couple of things that can happen. Um, The first thing that happens is that we, we forget, or we don't even realize that we're in a battle in the first place. There's, there's a, there's an enemy that hates you. And there's an enemy that wants to destroy you. And there's an enemy that wants to tempt you into thinking that the temporal world is what matters. The temporal world is what is important. And it gets us into a life of which we're living this life like everybody else is, as though this is the only thing that there is. And we forget that we're, that we actually are in a battle, right? And sometimes those things, you know, sometimes the temptations to get us to think in the temporal, sometimes those temptations are very sinful ones. And I think as Christians, we can see those pretty easily, but oftentimes more often than, than the sinful ones, oftentimes are the things that in and of themselves aren't sinful per se, but they bring us, they bring our focus away from God and our focus on the, on the temporal, on the things that are going on in our life, you know, and we start to, you know, we start to think about things, uh, for our futures, you know, I got to invest in this or I got to reinvest in this or I got to do this for my kids because I want to, you know, and these things, again, in and of themselves, they're not bad, but they get us away from our, our actual purpose. Does that make sense? You know, um, a, a good friend of mine, uh, Pastor Santo in, um, in West Tokyo, he, he often says this, but he says um, the, the God of Japan is not uh, Buddhist, Buddhism or, or Shintoism, but the God of Japan is the God that things go well in life. And he talks about how that most people spend, the, uh, Japanese people will spend their, their time and their resources on making sure that their life works out well, that things get, the things are smooth and things are easy. And I think the same, the, the same can happen to us as well, right? We, we spend a lot of time 
making sure that our future is secure or making sure that our children's future is secure. And we spend a lot of time in the temporal. And again, they're not necessarily bad things, but the Bible says in, in Matthew chapter six, verse 33 to, to uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and, and, and its righteousness and all these things will be added unto you, Jesus says, right? And so Jesus wants us again to focus on him and realize that he's the one that'll give us all that we need here in the temporal anyway, because we've become we've become eternal when, when he's, when he's placed eternity in our hearts, when we put our trust in Jesus as our savior and he wants to li- us to live in eternity. Does that, does that make sense? And if we're doing that, we will be able to realize that we're in a fight. Now, the second thing that I think that happens is that we fight, we are fighting, but we're fighting against the wrong enemy and we forget who our real enemy is. And that's, an, that's another tactic that the enemy is very good at. The enemy wants us to think that some particular person is who we're actually fighting against, you know? And, and uh, oh man, if, if Rich just wasn't part of my life, life would be easy, you know? I, I would be, if, if such and such, you could fill in the blank, whoever that person might be, if such and such isn't a part of my life, then I would have peace. Right. And we start to then look at that person as the enemy. And you, and you very well may have, and we all probably do have people that we don't get along with and we may be at odds with, but that person is not our enemy. God, uh, the enemy wants to use that situation to get us again, to lose focus on the fact that there is a real enemy who wants to destroy us and he wants to make us ineffective. The whole point, he can't take away our salvation as Christians, but the whole point of the enemy is while we're alive on this earth, he wants to make us the least effective Christians that there are on the planet. He wants to make us not able to do what God wants us to do. And so, and he does these in, in, he does this in different ways. And so it's important for us again, to realize that we're in a fight. And it's also important for us to realize the, the fight is spiritual. It's not, it's not here. And also to realize that, that the enemy is not, it's not people that's the enemy, but it's, there's a real enemy behind all of this. That's, that's, that's moving things to get us to fight against each other. Does that make sense? It's, it's almost like, it's almost like politics. <laughs> it seems like politics today, the, the point is to get people to fight each other, to hate each other, so that they can do things that nobody, nobody's paying attention to, so that they can, they, can accompany, you know, they can just do things for themselves. And, and the enemy does that too. The enemy, I think, tries to get us to, to fight against one another so that we become ineffective for the things that God wants us to do. And, he, and, and therefore, then he can accomplish things that he, meaning the enemy, can accomplish things that he wants to do. So before we get into the, into the text further, how many of you today feel like you're in a fight? You know, do you feel like you're actually in a fight? And if you do, do you feel like you're winning that fight? You know, you don't have to raise your hand, but, and you know, cause how, how often do you feel again? I can only speak for myself, but you feel like you're, t- you're taking steps forward. You take two steps forward in your walk with the Lord, but you get beaten up and you get, and you get pushed three steps back. And it's just this battle treading water. You feel like you're barely, you're barely making it. I think, th- I think if that's you today, that God wants to encourage you and God wants to equip you to be able to fight the victorious fight that we need to fight with him. If you look at verse 13, that's where we're going to skip to. We're going to start from verse 13. He says, um, therefore, I'll read it again. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. My wife and I are originally from uh, Honolulu. And we, uh, like Pastor Rick said, we, we moved out here um, in 2000, not here, but in to Tokyo in 2001. 
And we try as much as we can to get back to Hawaii every year if we can. Uh, our families are there, our parents are both getting older, and so we want to see them as much as we can. And there's also a conference there every summer that we try to attend. And uh, we were there last, this past summer, and I was talking with an old friend of mine that I've known since I was saved. And he, when I was a young Christian, this guy was, had such a spiritual influence in my life. And we were just sitting and having a meal and we were talking. And he was talking about a message that he had listened to recently um, regarding the children of Israel in the wilderness. And uh, the pastor that spoke that message that he was listening to had said that there's three kinds of people in the world. There's the unbeliever, there's the carnal Christian, and there's the spirit-filled Christian. And you may have heard that before. But, we, but after saying that, we just talked. We just talked for a long time about what is it? What is, what is it? What does it mean to be a spirit-filled Christian? For, first of all, if we're, if we're believers, the Spirit's in us. We're all, we all have the Spirit in us. But what are we, how are we being led? What are we being led by? Are we being led by the Spirit of God in our life, or are we being led by the flesh? Is basically the question that we ask ourselves as believers. But what does it mean? Like if someone asks, what is a spirit-filled Christian? How, how would you describe that? And so we started talking about different things. And these things are really basic stuff, actually, but they're really critical things and and critical to be effective and to be growing in our in our Christian walk and growing in our relationship with God. These things are absolutely necessary. First of all, being in the word. And you've probably heard that a million times if you've come to this church for any length of time. But but really being in the word, um, believing that every time that I'm in the word, God has something to say to me. The, the approach the word like that, I really want to encourage you to do so. I, uh, you know, um, please, if, if, if there's anything that you take from this message today, I want to encourage you, read your Bibles. And you probably already do. I'm probably preaching to the choir. But read your Bible every day. And, and, and I would encourage you even, I'm not a legalist about this, but read it in the morning if you can, because I, I firmly believe, about, and it's a testimony of my life for sure, I firmly believe that God wants to speak to you every day, and he wants to speak to you for that today even. And so in the morning, he gives us a word, and, and, and so often, and maybe you guys can probably attest to this too, but he gives us a word, and that word, he'll use that word to speak into our life in a situation that we face in the day, or he'll use that word for us to be able to speak into someone else's life that we that we meet in that day and God wants to do that God wants to do that regularly and so when you know we can get into a routine and it's not a bad routine to get into a routine of reading your bible every day that's good I hope you are doing that but sometimes we can approach that routine as we do you know doing push-ups or whatever and just check it off as a checklist something that I finished today but I want to encourage you when you when you approach the word in the morning or whenever it is that you approach the word approach it believing that God wants to say something to you and he really does I really believe that he does so be be in the word um be in prayer crying out to him, understanding, you know, it's crazy to think about this, but the God who created, as, as, uh, as uh, is it Sarah, she, as she prayed, she said, uh, you know, she was praying that the God of the universe cares to listen to us. He actually wants to hear from you. 
Did you know that? God wants you to talk to him. He's waiting for you to talk to him, and he wants you to talk to him, and, he's, and he wants you to talk to him as you are. Just approach him and cry out to him with your worries and your fears and your struggles and, your, and, your, and, your, and whatever you're grateful for and all of those things. Just pour out your heart to him. He wants you to do that, and he wants you to, in prayer, I believe, we also recognize how much we truly need him. You know how much we can't function, especially if, if we're talking about we want to live a spirit-filled life. We can't live a spirit-filled life without God. It's impossible. And, and, and God, is, God is spirit in this sense. And so we approach him in a spiritual realm. And the way that we do that is through prayer. We talk to him. And, and so please, you know, be in the word and, and, and be in prayer and, and being in fellowship is another critical thing that we need to do. Again, I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are all here. But recognizing that God has me in a body of believers for a purpose. You know, we can sometimes, uh, sometimes get, we can sometimes get, I don't know if confused is the right word. We sometimes, when we come to church on Sundays, it's, it's like a, a speaker and an audience. But that's not what church is. Church isn't a speaker and an audience. Church is everyone. And it's critical. I mean, God, the, you're, you matter to church. Every single individual in the church body matters. The Bible calls it a body. And the Bible says that when one member of the body is hurting, when one member of the body is out of commission, then the whole body suffers as a result of that. The body doesn't function as it's supposed to function when you're not a part of it. And, and so be in fellowship and be in, be in purposeful fellowship, you know, asking people how they're doing in life and, and, and those things, which leads me to the next thing, which is the fourth thing that I think is really another spiritual discipline that's important in, in being a spirit filled Christian is remember to share what God is doing in your life as regularly as you can. Uh, God wants us to be doing that, testifying, right? We, th we think of testimony, and oftentimes we think about talking about our salvation testimony, which is great. You should do that. But also, just what's God doing in your life this week? What did God do in your life yesterday? Because, of course, he does it for you to raise you up and encourage you, but he wants you to speak about him and the work that he's doing in your life so that you can speak into others about the living God. There's a living God that's working inside of us and a living God that's doing things in our lives and miracles as Pastor Rick said earlier. And he wants us to be sharing those things with people to encourage other people. We have a Friday night. We do a Friday night. We don't do a midweek. We do a Friday night Bible study every week. And uh, once a month, we've, we've, for a couple of years now, we've been doing this. I don't remember when we started, but once a month, we do the first Friday, we do uh, uh, testimony time. And basically, no preparation, just what, what's God doing in your life? That's the question I just asked. What's God doing in your life? And people are open to, anybody can test, anybody can share. And uh, we just kind of do it to encourage one another and just to remember what God's doing in our own lives. It does that too. It's not only to encourage other people, but it's for us to remember that God's at work in our own lives. And it's, it's easy for us to lose sight of that if we're not sharing that with one another. So be in the word, be in prayer, uh, be in fellowship and, uh, and share what God's doing in your life. These are, these are ways, this is, this is, I think, spiritual disciplines to prepare us for the spiritual fight that we're in. That's what we're looking at here, right? This, this is actually 
this chapter is actually a preparation chapter, right? It gets us ready for the spiritual fight because you don't put on your armor when the, when, the, when, the, when the darts are coming. If the darts are already on their way and then you're getting dressed to put on your armor, you're probably going to die, right? If the bullet's already flying before you put on the helmet, you're probably going to die. It, this, is, this is prep, which I'm speaking to a bunch of people that do this probably for a living, right? We, we brought, uh, again, we bring our sixth graders and, and, and Tokyo has, there's a base in Tokyo nearby. There's a couple of bases nearby and, 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 but they're not that close to us. And we've, there's planes flying over us, but they're usually the big ones, the big transport planes. So you don't even notice that they're military planes, but you come here and the, and the jets are flying and the, and the helicopters are, are going and the kids get really excited about that stuff. And I was thinking about that uh, yesterday morning. And so I was hearing some of the, uh, was it yesterday? I don't know. The other day I was hearing the, um, the planes fly over and I was thinking, you know, this is, this is perfect for what we're looking at. This, it's, it's, you're constantly preparing for, so that you'll be prepared when the, when the battle actually comes. And, and most of the time for your jobs, you're, you're actually prepping for something that may or may not happen, but, but you're ready when it does happen. And that's exactly what we ought to be doing as believers because the fight's there. The fight is coming. And God wants us to already have the armor on so that we don't, so that we don't fall when the, when, the, when the bullets come. We don't fall when the fiery darts, as we read, as we read there, uh, come our way. And so this is, a, this is the way to prepare. Victory in spiritual battle requires us to be spiritually prepared. Does that make sense? So it starts off, uh, back to 14, it starts off, it says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the, bless, the breastplate of righteousness. So it starts off with truth. And of course, truth is, is, is mentioned as a belt for the armor, the thing that holds everything together. Without a belt, nothing else is helpful. So we need to start with truth. If we don't understand truth, then the whole thing falls apart. Nothing else works. Now, when we, th- when we think about the word truth, of course, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. We think of truth as, as uh, uh, the, the word. And of course, the word is true. And we... And, as we approach God for who he is, the truth, correct things about God. Doctrine. Doctrine is important when we talk about truth. But truth isn't just um, doctrine. It's just acknowledging things as they are. Just the truth about everything. We're, we're in a time, we're living in a time where simple things that we understood just a few years ago as just simple, even absolute truths are now being questioned as to whether they're true or not, right? I mean, a boy and a girl, simple as that, those kind of things. And we kind of laugh at those things and we look at it. This is crazy. But yet people are looking, well, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And, 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 and it, everything falls apart then. There's nothing. There's nothing to hold on to if there's no truth. And that's the same for us. We need to, we need to know the truth, the truth of, of what the word says, having correct doctrine so we can speak the truth. But the truth is our foundation in being prepared for the attacks of the lies that are going to come. Because there's such a battle against truth today. Truth about God, of course. There's always been a battle about truth about God. But truth in general. Truth is being fought against. And if there's so many lies out there today that, and people are falling for them, and even Christians are falling for them, and, and if we're not grounded in the truth, it will get harder and harder to recognize the deception because the deception is going to get better and better. As, I mean, better is a bad word. Worse and worse as time, as time progresses. 
No, I mean, and even, and also truth about yourself. That's important too. When we talking about prayer, when you go to God, go to God being honest about yourself. Does that make sense? I mean, if you go to the doctor and, and you don't say, you don't tell the doctor what's bothering you, the doctor can't treat you without you telling him what's bothering you, without, what's, without you telling him what's wrong. And the same goes, I mean, God, of course, is able to treat you no matter what, but God wants you to come to him knowing what's wrong with you, right? If we've, got a, if we've got a sin problem, we need to come to God and be honest about that problem with him because he's the one that's able to help us with that. So truth matters. It's super important. Secondly, in that same verse there, in verse 14, it says uh, the breastplate of righteousness, right? The breastplate, of course, is the plate over your breast. The, the breastplate is, uh, it, it protects your, your vital organs, particularly, most importantly, your heart, right? And so what is righteousness? What does that mean? It means to live right. It means doing the right thing. And so I was thinking about this, and there's a couple of ideas in regards to righteousness. One is that the, the Holy Spirit, God gives us his Holy Spirit, right, in, in us. And the Holy Spirit wants to teach us and not only teach us, but empower us to be able to live a right life. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And he is a source. He is the source of power for that. Um, uh, I... Um, I teach besides besides Sundays, I teach uh, Bible to first, second and third graders, little kids in the every day during the week. And um, the memory verse this week, they're, they're going to be sharing it tomorrow, actually, with the teachers that's taking my place. But the memory, uh, not tomorrow, but Tuesday, the, the memory verse this week is uh, Acts 1 8, which is, uh, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me uh, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so I asked the kids as we were ta- as we were practicing that Bible memory verse together. I asked the kids, "What does power mean?" And one little second grade boy goes, "It means strong, you know. It means muscles." And I, said, "Yeah, it does. It means strength." But here in Acts one eight, actually, it it also it also means enabling or ability. Right? And, and the Holy Spirit, he empowers us. But what he empowers us with, he doesn't empower us. I mean, he could empower us to be strong, obviously. But he empowers us to be able to do what God wants us to do. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't please God. We can't, we're incapable of living a godly life because we're sinful. But the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and he leads us and he gives us the capability. He gives us the ability to be able to do what God wants us to do, to, to, to live a righteous life. Now, and so as we, as we progress, if you will, as we walk in our, as we, as we walk more and more with the, with the Lord, we, we hopefully learn to sin less. We don't become sinless, but we sin less. And as we sin less, there's actually less things for the enemy to try to condemn us with. Right. So the, the more righteous the life that I'm capable of living, the, the less the enemy has to condemn us with. But the enemy can always find things still, even in the most righteous of people, that, which leads me to the second idea of of righteousness. And I think it's more important is is we need to remember that Jesus has given us his righteousness. Right. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Actually, it's not our righteousness that that brings us to God, but God, but Jesus righteousness on the cross. 
when Jesus died, there was an exchange that took place. And it's, it, it, you know, it was all us and none of him. He got nothing out of the deal, really, right? Uh, the exchange that took place is our sin. He received our sin. And in exchange for my sin, he gave me his righteousness. And I'm clothed now in the righteousness of Christ. And the great thing about that is, as I just mentioned, the enemy has less to condemn us with if we're walking righteously, but he'll be able to find things because we still drag the old man with us as we live on this earth until we get to heaven. We're going to drag that old man with us. And there's going to be part areas in our lives that need, that need forgiveness and need uh, change throughout our life. Right. But the and so the enemy will find those things and the enemy will attack us with those things and try to condemn us with those things. But we can stand boldly and say, no, it's not my righteousness that brings me right with God. It's the righteousness of Christ. I'm clothed in Christ and Christ has forgiven me for that. I'm right with God because Jesus is right. Does that make sense? And this is such an it's called the breastplate because that, you know, our hearts shake because we get condemned by the enemy and we start to doubt and we wonder, we wonder how, th- you know, oh, does God really love me? These kind of things go through our minds because we deal with sin. But if we remember that we're righteous, we're made righteous by the work that Jesus did for us, then our heart's secure. Does that make sense? Now, uh, actually, let's, um, let's I'll give a, a reference there. Uh, first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Second Corinthians five, 21, the last verse of the chapter says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This, that's the exchange, right? Jesus became sin for us so that we might be made righteous in him. But back to um, Ephesians chapter six. In verse 15, it says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So our shoes in the armor, our shoes are the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. The good news starts with the bad news. The bad news is that you're, you're a sinner. The bad news is that you're born into sin and that you commit sin and that that sin separates you from sinless God, from holy God. That's the reality. That's true. Uh, um, But the good news is that God knew that and God looked upon you and loved you so much that he became a man and lived on this earth. And he was born of a virgin so that he didn't inherit the sinful DNA that you and I all inherited. And he lived a perfect life so that he committed no sin. He was a, he was a, he was a lamb without spot or blemish, if you will. And he died on the cross for you. And, and, and then he proved that everything that he said was true by rising from the dead three days later. And that he says that if anyone puts their trust in him, that they shall be saved, that, that we, would, we receive eternal life by, by believing that Jesus died for our sin. If I believe that Jesus died for my sin, then I'm saved, the Bible says. Um, actually, that's what, makes, that's what makes Christianity different from, the, from all of the religions of the world. All of the religions of the world are based on, no matter what it is, it's all, di- it's all different things, but all the religions of the world are based on here I am and here is wherever it is I'm going to, or you call it God or whatever. And 
my path is me doing what I should do or avoiding what I should avoid in order to make it. And hopefully someday I'm going to get there, right? If everything works out right. So there's no confidence. There's no confidence at all, actually. But for, for the believer, for the Christian, the, the, it's, not, it's not about me. It's that God, I, the Bible says, I can't get there. There's a gap that's too big for me to cross because of my sin. So God bridged the gap in the, in the, in the form of the cross and came to this earth to, be, to become man so that I can, he takes me to heaven. He takes me to heaven rather than me trying to fight my way. So there's, there's a confidence in that. We'll talk about that a little bit in a little bit, but that's, that's the gospel. American statistics on how many people have never shared the gospel with anyone. 61% of this evangelical Christians, 61% of evangelical Christians have never shared their faith in, in within the last six months. They haven't shared their faith. And those same, those same people when asked why they haven't shared their faith, they say, they all say that it's because they don't know how to share the gospel with someone. Six, 61% of, of, uh, evangelical Christians. Sharing the, sharing the gospel is, is critical. I would say that's, one, that's the main reason why we're still on this planet, right? Um, it's, it's a, it's a, doing it will lead us further into battle because the world is hostile against God. But the whole reason we're here is for that, right? Think about Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever asked yourself, what, you know, what, what's the main plan that God had, had for me? Right. And sometimes we think that God, that God's plan, God, God's will is that all should perish and none should, all should, all should, forgive me, Lord, all should be saved and that none should perish and all should come to repentance. Forgive me, Lord, that, that none should perish and all should come to repentance, that we all should come to him for salvation. Right. But if that was the only plan, if the plan was just that we would be saved, then that we would, we would say the sinner's prayer whenever that is in our lives and we would die because if heaven is all that. If, if, if that was the main goal, then we would, heaven is a far better place than here. We would go to heaven immediately, but God still has us here and he has us here for a purpose. And, and one of those main purposes is to be the vehicles to share the gospel with the people that don't know him. Romans 10 says, how will people hear unless someone shares with them? And for whatever reason, God could, God could use any other reason. God, I mean, any other purpose, God could God could share the gospel any way that he wants to, but he's, for whatever reason, he's chosen you and I to be the vehicles to do so. And, and, and therefore, it's important that we understand that that's part of the, the, the preparation, the spiritual preparation is to be equipped to do what God's called us to do, to be equipped with the gospel. That's, that's our feet. That's our shoes, if you will, right? Then he says, in verse 16, he says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So um, 16 now talks about faith. Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith is it's, this chapter is referred to. Hebrews 11 verse 1. You have the definition of faith. Many of you probably know this verse by heart. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, the evidence of things not seen. We, we trust in a God whom we don't physically see. We see, we see the attributes. That we see God at work. We see what God has done. We see God uh, at work in our own lives. But we don't actually physically see God, but we trust him, right? We, we trust God when I don't see him or understand what's happening in my life. Notice what it represents in the armor here. It says it's the shield and it's the shield from the fiery darts of the enemy. The enemy is throwing fiery darts at you all the time. 
And when our shield is down, we get hit with the fiery darts. And the fiery darts, what, what are the fiery darts? Some of them are, are, I think, universal for all of us. Some of them are individual for each person. The, the things that are, we, you know, our weaknesses and, our, and the things that the enemy knows are going to bring us down, those are the things that he shoots at us. I think discouragement is one that's definitely universal. Uh, fears. He tries to shoot us with fears. What ifs? You know, how many, you know, I, how many of you, you know, at night, you know, you lay down and you think, oh, and you start to think about things, or maybe not at night, but you start to think about decisions and what's going to happen if this happens or if this doesn't happen or if this, you know, we start to think about these things. Maybe some of you might have a sickness that, you, that you've recently found out. And then from there, the, uh, the thoughts go, well, what if this happens? Or what if this happens? Or what if this happens? All these things that we actually have no control over. All those what ifs we have no control over. And mo- many times, none of those things actually happen. We just waste our time thinking about them. God wants us to have faith, to trust him. Right? Faith is, faith, it's interesting, faith is something that we have. The Bible talks about it, right? We need faith. It's something that we have, and we can have, I guess, strong or weak faith. But, we, but we, I think we concentrate too much on that, to be honest. We don't need much faith. Jesus said you, the faith, if you have faith of a mustard seed, the important thing about faith is not how much you have. It's what your faith is in. Does that make sense? Our faith, our, our, it's, it's, it's the object of our faith that matters. It's not how much faith we actually have, right? Um, uh, I, uh, I mean, I, we, this is a weak, weak illustration, but I, I, uh, long, a long time ago, I was teaching the English class um, to these high school kids, and there was, uh, there was a high school boy and two, two girls. I'm sitting on a folding chair, and uh, they're sitting in their class, and we're doing English class, and and uh, the folding chair just gave out, boom, just broke. I fell on the ground. And, I, and the kids were like, and then I laughed, and then the kids started laughing, you know. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, well, I didn't, you know, I had faith in that chair. <laughs> That's why I sat. You guys are all, you didn't think much about it. You sat where you sat. You might sit in the same seat every single week. Some of you probably do. You're sitting in that seat. You don't think about it at all, but you have faith in that chair. You believe that that chair is going to hold you up, right? And that, and that chair didn't hold me up, unfortunately, right? And, but... In that same sense, it's a weak illustration, but in that same sense, we are not trusting in how, how good we necessarily are, or even how strong our faith necessarily is, but we're trusting in the one who's not going to drop us. We're trusting in the one who's not going to fail us. God will never fail us. God will never drop us. And this is, this is what secure, you know, that, that it keeps us from those attacks, those, those fears. The enemy wants to hit us with fear. And you may have heard this before, but the opposite of fear is what? Faith. The opposite of fear is faith. Now, we all fear and, and, and the heroes that we have in the scripture are all, they all feared too. We know that because if you, this is an interesting Bible study. If you have time, do this, you can do this yourself, a word study. Fear not. Look up how many times the word fear not is in the Bible. It's a lot. And the reason why it's so many times is because those people that, that the angel or, the, or someone came alongside and said, hey, fear not. The reason why they said that is because they were afraid. But they're telling you, you don't have to be afraid. 
Fear is the natural response for the situation that you might be in, but you don't have to be afraid as a believer because you have a God that's not going to drop you. You have a God that, that knows and cares about you. You have a God that is going to take care of you. And so faith is what puts quenches, if you will, put as it says, quenches the, the fiery darts. It's faith. It's trust in God. It's not, res- it's so oftentimes the fears come or the worries come and the what ifs come. And then we go online and how do I, you know, how do I solve this medical problem? Or how do I, how do I turn this much money into this much money? Cause I don't have any money. You know, those kind of things. We, we try to look for the answer, but instead of looking for the answer, look to the one. Trust the Lord because the Lord is the one that's going to provide. The Lord is the one that's going to take care of you. And he'll, he'll give you the means to do what you need to do in order, to, in order to, to meet the needs that he wants to meet. Does that make sense? He wants you to trust in him. It's not a blind faith at all. It's, it's, it's trusting in the one who's never going to let you go. Verse 17, he says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So two, two more weapons here. The, the salvation is, our, is the helmet. Of course, helmet's pretty important. I protect my mind with the assurance of my salvation. Your head's the most impor- important part of your body. You can lose your arm and still function. You can lose your leg and still function. You lose your head and you're, you're dead. Right? The enemy shoots you in the head and it's over. The helmet is, the, of course, I would say the most important of anything in terms of keeping you alive in that sense, right? And so when we think of salvation, that's, it's, that's the most important thing. That's what it comes down to. It, we must be saved. We need to know for sure that we're saved. Now, I'm, uh, I'm not at home. I'm, I'm here, and I, I, I know many of the faces. I look out, I see them, because you guys have come, have been coming here for years, but there's many of you that I don't recognize and that I don't know, and I don't want to take this for granted, quite honest, quite honestly. Um, uh, I, you may have heard this before, but a uh, famous evangelist named um, D.L. Uh, Moody, he, um, he was in Chicago, and he was doing a, uh, I, don't, I forget what it was, several days of... Um, of, um, of these uh, crusades, and, he, and people were coming uh, to like these tent meetings, basically, and he was sharing the gospel with people that didn't know the Lord. And, and, uh, and the first night, bunches of people came, and he shared this message, and then he said, come back tomorrow night at the end of the message. He said, come back tomorrow night, and, and he was planning on, on inviting them, having them come again and giving an invitation the following day. And then that night, the, Chicago, the famous Chicago fires took place, and, and Tons of people died. Many that had, had attended that tent meeting actually died. And, and, uh, and D.L. Moody said to himself, he's never, ever going to uh, not give opportunity for people to, to respond to the gospel again in any meeting that he ever, that he ever had again. And so um, not trying to be emotional or trying to pull strings or anything, but I don't know you guys, and, and uh, I don't want to take this for granted. I'll ask the question, if, if a bomb dropped on this building right now, and you woke up in eternity, are you going to be standing before the Lord? Is he going to receive you in? Is he going to know who you are? And is he going to welcome you in? That's, a, that's an honest question. If you die today, do you know without a doubt that you're going to go to heaven? I mentioned earlier about the different religions of the world. There's, that's the, I mean, besides the fact that the Bible is true and all the rest is a lie, but the teaching is a lie too. And the teaching, there's no confidence. There's no, there's no assurance because it's based on them. 
but, but we can have full and absolute assurance of our salvation because it's a work that God did for us. Jesus died on the cross for your sin. If you were the only person in, the, in, in this whole world that, that, that believed that and responded, Jesus still would have come and died for your sin. So if you're in this room and you have not asked the Lord to, to forgive you of your sins and, you've, and you're not a follower of Jesus today, I, I, I would ask you, don't leave the room. Don't leave this room without, without getting right with God today. And if you are a believer or you consider yourself a believer and you're walking in sin, and what I mean by that, we all struggle with sin, don't get me wrong, we all fall. But if you're, if you're just living in sin Monday through Friday and it's not bothering you, you're not, you're not, you're not convicted by it, and then you show up on Sunday and you, and you come to church, you, you, should, you should not be assured of yourself. You should feel insecure about your salvation. Because God wants, to, God wants you to live a life, a, a spirit-filled life, a life with him. And he wants you to live a, a new life. He wants to change us. That's what God does. He's in the business of changing people. And, and, so he, and he wants us to be assured, not that we'll live a perfect life, but that we have a perfect Savior. And that he's died for us and we have eternity. And so, I, so, so please, again, if you're not sure today... Don't leave. Don't leave without being sure. You can, you can come and talk to me. You can talk to, you can talk to the guys in the back. I'm sure talk to Pastor Rick. If you don't know today that you're, that whether or not you're going to go to heaven when you die, please get right with God today. Now, knowing that, knowing that that is our security, right? That is our security. First John chapter 5. First John chapter five, I'll read verses uh, 11 through 13 it says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, that God has given us eternal life. Sorry. And, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the son of God. John wrote his letter to believers. And he wrote his letter to believers to say that we, we ought to be secure uh, in knowing that we have eternal life. And we can be secure if we know the Lord as our Savior. We, we can be secure knowing that Jesus died for our sins. So the helmet, the helmet is that security. It, it's that, it's that, it's that um, removal of all doubt, if you will. And then finally, well, almost finally, the... the the other uh, weapon there in verse 17 is the sword of the spirit. Now the sword is of all of the thing, all of the armor that we're reading about this morning. And you've probably read this many times before, but the sword is the only offensive weapon, right? And what is the sword? Word. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I know oftentimes you don't, am I supposed to answer that question? The, the sword, the sword is the word, the word of God. Um, the sword, the sword is our weapon. He wants us to use it, right? A weapon is, is there for us to use. The question is that I ask you is how good are you with your sword? You know, we, again, I mentioned that I teach uh, first, second, third graders um, Bible. And uh, we, we, do, uh, uh, we do something called sword drill. I don't know if you guys have heard of that before, but you, the kids put their Bibles on their heads and the teacher says, okay, ready, you know, Isaiah 7, 4, and, and go. And then they... they try to find Isaiah and, and the first one there starts to read and they get a, they get a point. But then the other rule for that game that we play is that if it's a verse that you already know, you don't have to open it up. You can just say it. 
And so if you've memorized any verses, you're going to be the first one to get the points, obviously, because you've memorized the verses. And then we tell them, and uh, there's another guy that does Bible, and he, he really has, he, you know, we live in a, we live in a, where we are, this society, very free. You, you know, we can, we can read our Bibles wherever we want, whenever we want. Many of you probably have more than one. You've got a home Bible and a church Bible and an electronic Bible and all these things. And that's great. That's great. But there may be a day when those things are taken away from you. They can be. There may be a day that that comes. And I think I, I, the, the way the world is moving, I think that they probably will approach it. And maybe even here, there may be a day when we won't be able to physically possess those Bibles, but they cannot take the Bible from your heart. They cannot take the verses that you've placed in there yourself. And so I want to encourage you, don't just read your Bible, but memorize. Memorize, I, I, you know, I don't memorize your whole, I mean, memorize your whole Bible if you can, but memorize uh, Verses where God speaks to you, especially the verses that God really speaks and impacts uh, or, or speaks to you in a particular situation and those things. Remember them, write them down, memorize them, because, again, God wants to use that as a as a weapon, a weapon for a weapon against the enemy. When we're facing temptation, when we're facing trials, when we're facing doubt and fears and all those things, God wants to bring to remembrance Verses that, we, that we've learned before so we can fight against that. Does that make sense? Right? Bring to remembrance. What does that mean? That means it has to already be there. Right? You don't bring to remembrance something that you didn't remember. Right? You bring to remembrance something that you've already placed in your heart. So read your Bible. And, and, and particularly those verses that have, have spoken to you. Grab onto them and remember them because God will use them. God will use them in your life against the enemy. But God will also use you with those verses to speak into other people's lives too against the enemy, right? The enemy is not just attacking you. The enemy is attacking the person next to you. The enemy is attacking every single one of us. He's trying to, he's trying to destroy every single one of us. And we, as the body, play a role in others, in others' lives by speaking the truth into their lives as a weapon against the enemy who's trying to, who's trying to kick, you know, to beat them down. And you don't know. So oftentimes we hide the things that are going on in our lives and we don't know the struggles that people are going through. And the word that you speak to them might be the very word that God wanted you to speak to them, to speak into the situation that you don't even know about. Right? God wants us to use that, use his word as a weapon to speak into people's lives. And finally, lastly, Verse 18, it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. This is not, I think, in this particular text, I don't think it's listed necessarily as part of the armor, but prayer. Prayer is vital, right? I mentioned it in the beginning, but prayer is not necessarily part of the clothes, if you will. But I think that prayer is the way that the soldier who's in the battle stays in communication with the commanding officer who wants to speak to him or her, right? The way we speak to the one who has us fighting is through prayer. And God accomplishes through prayer. It doesn't, I, I, I can't, I still, you know, I've been a Christian for more than 20 years now, and I still can't really wrap my head around how God does that. You know, God is, God is sovereign. I believe that, of course, with all my heart, that God, God, God moves because God moves. God does what he wants to do. But yet you read in the scripture, there's times in which people pray, and it almost seems as though God changes his mind. God does something different than he was originally going to do. Now, did God know that he was going to? Yeah, of course God knew. He's sovereign. He knows everything. But we, the way it's written anyway, and the way we can receive it, I think, is that prayer matters. 
And prayer, and, and prayer is effective. And, and so pray, you know, don't, don't stop praying. Pray if you're struggling, you know, if you are getting beat down by the enemy and, and, and you're trying now to put on the armor, God bless you and try to put on the armor, but pray, cry out to him. I, I need you, God, help me. Don't be afraid, be honest and cry and let him know where you are and, and, and what you need. And God, God's, a, God's a loving and a faithful God and he wants to supply you, right? Prayer is, I believe, the, one of our greatest spiritual weapons against a spiritual enemy, right? We're fighting a spiritual fight. We need to fight it in the spiritual realm and the spiritual realm is, is through prayer. So let's enter this week. Let's enter this day, if you will. Let's enter this week setting our minds on the, on the things that are above, on the heavenly things, being heavenly minded. Let's, let's prepare ourselves for what the Lord has for us this week. Let's prepare ourselves uh, for, to, be, to be protected and, and, and ready to fight the fight that the Lord has to fight for us because it, it, it matters, right? Pastor Rick was talking today about relationships. You know, when we get to heaven, nothing, we're not bringing anything with us except for the souls of folks that we've impacted. That's all that comes along. So that's all that really matters, right? And so, so, Remember and prepare for the work that God has for you this week. And, 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 and be, don't be surprised if, uh, if the enemy attacks you, right? Because the enemy attacks the works of God. But God is greater. And God wants to equip you with the ability to accomplish what he wants you to do this day, this week, and the rest of your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you, God, that you are you're a great God. Uh, you're a God who equips. You've given us your Holy Spirit. We're so thankful for that. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work in each of our lives. Lord, we ask you to empower us and enable us to, to live lives that are pleasing to you. Lord, I pray that we would, um, Lord, that we would uh, be readers of your word. I pray that we'd fall in love with your word and, and that we'd be prayers and that we would be in fellowship and that we would be uh, sharing our testimony in those things. I pray, Lord, that you would arm us up. Lord, with all of the armor that we read about today, that we would be ready uh, for the battle that you have for us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we, I pray for victory in our, in our spiritual lives. I pray for that we would be effective here on this earth um, for the, for the, not for the earthly things, but for the, for the kingdom things, Lord, for the heavenly things, Lord. So just equip us uh, for that, Lord. And I pray for each one in this room, Lord. I pray uh, specifically if there's any here, Lord, as we, as we spoke earlier, that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, I pray that they would know you today. I pray that they would uh, understand how much they need you. I pray that they would cry out to you and uh, that they would ask you to forgive, the, uh, forgive, you, uh, forgive them of, your sin, of their sins, Lord. And I pray that you would forgive them, Lord. I pray that you would, you would bring new life to people today. I pray for those that are struggling in sin as, as believers or walking in sin even, Lord, that they would turn uh, from their sin and, 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 and follow you, Lord. That your word says that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and you're just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I pray that that work would happen today. In Jesus' name I pray.